on this film. Levitated by the human touch. Antonio's galloping forward, here's the pass. Antonio's through, chance to fall, what a goal! What a brilliant strike by Mikel Antonio! Hello, welcome back. It's happened again. We're back on the Knees Up Mother Brown podcast. I am joined once again, as I ever am, by Farmer Callum Goodall and the leader of the People's Republic of Saeed Ben Rama, Jack Elderton. Hello, gentlemen. How are we after a rather fantastic Sunday? Thanks for that, Chris. Those of you aren't going to get that. Callum's been to a farm today, and I live in the countryside, so to me, not a day out. And Jack, in my head, loves Saeed Ben Rama regardless of how he plays. And in your head and your, yours alone. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's good for me. Um, so... We're all, I'd, I'd imagine, in a very, very good mood. I certainly have made it obvious that I am. Mm-hmm. Yes, outstanding mood, mate. <laughs> what a day that is. I mean, slightly overshadowed by the shambles of the bus. Ollie's going to Solskjaer is driving, but we're not here for other Premier League results. We are here for West Ham, and we are here for West Ham beating Spurs, which... Yeah. It's someone's cup final. It's theirs more than ours these days <laughs> as they sit beneath us in the table. Um but it's yeah. always good to do, keep them firmly in their place. I it was a well it's been it's been a it always feels like a long week when we play three games for Sunday Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, but no goals conceded, three wins. It's about as perfect as it can get, Jack. It is. It's about as perfect as it can get. Uh, I think I predicted two wins as well from the Everton and Genk games. We didn't get didn't get round to the Spurs game in the last podcast, but um, I'm not sure I would have predicted a win in that. But three wins from three is about as good as it can get. No goals conceded. Um, not necessarily the most free flowing attacking performances, but getting the job done. Exactly. I mean, that is especially especially in the week. It is very much efficient. It's we will get to that game, but. It does certainly feel odd to be comfortably topping a group because we are in control of ourselves. But it is Tottenham first. Uh, I suppose first thoughts before I before I crack on to any specific, Callum. First thoughts on today? Uh, unreal. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm buzzing. Uh, it's like you said, it's always nice to beat Spurs. Uh, seasons ago, I would have dreaded going to watch West Ham Spurs because I sort of knew what would happen. And now it's kind of come into it with quite optimism, to be honest. Uh, I wasn't that fearful going into it. I think the only concern I had was that they decided to rest all 11 of their players midweek and they still lost. (laughs) That worked. Yeah. No points, um, two games. Yeah. But no, yeah, pleasing, pleasing performance. Like you say, it wasn't the most uh, exciting fixture um, that we've seen in recent weeks, but... I think one thing that we've started to notice out of this team is our ability to grind out a win when we need to and just manage games, which is something we've not really been able to do that well in the past. Um, Previous, yeah, like under Bilic and Pellegrini, there were so many times where we've thrown away leads and just like capitulated more more often than not. And now I think, think especially with the arrival of Zuma as well, I think we go up and I don't fear that we're going to chuck that lead away. I think... I know that we can control it. And today we showed that it was gritty, but it was assured. Very happy. Yeah, I'm, I'm ne- I never enjoy watching us defend a lead. It always, with the second we got that goal, it was like, okay, it's 15 minutes of feeling relatively sick. 
And yeah. anxious. But uh, how was it inside the ground, Jack? You were there, weren't you, sir? How was uh, it in the stands? I felt both sick and anxious. Yeah. Um, no, it was it was it was pretty good, really. I mean, I, I think there was a point at which in the second half, I'm not, I'm not, I wouldn't say anyone relaxed, but we were riding out the difficult periods with such confidence and we didn't concede a shot in the second half. And minus, I think, one attack that I remember where um, Ndombele got away down the, down the right and, and pulled the cross back in, which I, mm. I couldn't quite believe how lazily he pulled that, that cross back, back in. Um, minus that moment, I think we were really quite comfortable in terms of defending our goal in the second half. They had a lot of pressure, but I don't think um, I felt um, at any point that, that we were like hanging on for dear life or anything like that. I think it was pretty pretty confident defensive performance in the face of some pretty blunt uh, Spurs attacking play. Yeah, I think we, we did stand up as, as a unit at the back. There was a, certainly, I mean, it was one of those games where maybe you couldn't point out especially with the centre-backs doing anything magnificent, but the unit of the defence seemed very controlled and certainly in charge of what they're doing, which I think is a big compliment to Ben Johnson, considering he's come into these games, last three games, kind of ushered in to replace Sufau. He is, he is young, he's barely played on the, on the right for us, even though it's his natural position. But I'd, I'd have thought that was, that was his best performance in the Premier League for West Ham today, really, I'd have said. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I think he's looked... He's looked really, well, not really impressive in the last few games, but he's looked assured and I've not been concerned about him. I've not thought, wow, we need to put someone else on. He's been found out. Like He's done well and I think the fixtures he's had in the run-up to this have probably served him well because today was his biggest test, really, going up against Son and then on that side. Um, and he, he bodied him. <laughs> it, was, it was just solid. Like, um, And I think, should he... I don't know how long Sifal's out for. I mean, obviously... Whilst I would say Johnson has been playing well, he's not playing so well that he's going to keep Sival out of the team. But he's definitely asserted himself as the number two right back, I think, over Fredericks now. Uh, and what a time to do it when he's due a contract renewal uh, at the end of the season. So if I were if I were Moyes and Co, I'd be uh, getting him to sign that paper pretty sharpish. Because yeah, we've, we've, we've got two two academy right backs playing in the Premier League. One. We let go because his contract was running out, Jeremy Ngakia, I'm going to go for. Um, <laughs> yeah. Played for Watford at the weekend. And we, I, I, it would be awful to see uh, Johnson end up in the same situation. It's interesting because I've always thought he looked quite a solid defender. Almost got quite good at his basics, Jack. But do you think he's adding or showing anything else as he's going in the last few games? Yeah, well, I think we, we spoke about him briefly once before and said, you know, we were uh, really excited to see him starting to add some some line-breaking passes into his game, looking for, for passes into Antonio from, from the right flank, which is really, really exciting to see that developing. And yeah, I think he is developing the attacking side of his game. You, you would say after the games against, um, against Everton and, and Spurs that there were moments where you think perhaps... Uh, you know, he still needs to work on his final ball quite a bit, and and he's he's mm-hmm. doing very well actually at holding the width and being in the right areas to 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 be able to attack the box and get across in. Um, but when it has come to delivering those crosses, not necessarily delivered with the quality that we might uh, expect from, for example, Sufal. Um, but yeah, no, I think he's shown. Um, as we know him to be, that he's a very, very solid defender um, and very comfortable slotting into the back four um, at Premier League level and doesn't look phased by anything really that he comes up against, which is really exciting for someone his age. Um, and he's got plenty of time to, to work on and add to the attacking side of his game. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, is there anything anything you'd add to that, uh, Cal? Anything you noticed in particular? Because I again, it's just quite impressive, quietly impressive in a way. Yeah, I think um, defensively, yeah, definitely solid. Uh, just looking at today's stats, he won a hundred percent of the tackles he made, which is, I mean, what, what more can you want from a defender, really? Like, um, yeah, he didn't get dribbled past at all, which again, it's particularly at fullback more so than centre back. That's the stat that you tend to see. Um, and yeah, re- with regards to his attacking output, he completed, I think, 10 out of 16 passes in the final third today. So about 60%, which is good. I think the one attacking um, side of his game that he probably does need to develop on is his, is his crossing, which we've seen can uh, be a little bit off the mark uh, every now and then. But I think part of that is probably marred by the fact we've got Sifal and Cresswell, who we've come to recognise as our starting fullbacks who both generally speaking are pretty exceptional crosses of the ball um I, I know last week we talked about Cresswell's drop off in delivery but I don't think anyone would say that he's not good at crossing it's just that his form recently has not been up to his usual scratch um, at least yeah. up until this week anyway where he's well yeah exactly. kind of just jumped yeah. straight back well, up his again. delivery his set piece delivery has always been spot on it's more so the um the sort of live play crossing that's been a bit bit hit and miss recently but I think that's probably because as as is the same with any player um once once people sort of start to work out what you're about and we've talked before about Cresswell loving to take this touch out of his body so I think it recently he's been afforded a lot less time out wide to whip that ball in because we've everyone's identified what a weapon his left foot is now like the amount of assists he got last season it would be it would be negligent to not press him a lot more which I think has probably caused that drop off but yeah no um Johnson really good and I think one one point that we talked about pre-pod that we all loved was that sort of butt gusting run down the right hand side when Johnson picked up the ball knocked it past Brian Hill and said yeah let's have a race and just absolutely battered him for pace and then used his upper body strength to just keep him off and keep bounding down and it's that sort of it's not even skill as much as it was game management like at his young age he recognized the time in the match the three points that we were trying to hold on to and sort of the fact that he knew to try and do that get up there it's all about the team it's all about guarding this against complacency and stuff and yeah I was really impressed today um bodes well for the future definitely I suppose with the positives of Ben Johnson it was an interesting game because we didn't we never we dominated early. We started well again. We started yeah. at the same kind of pace we started against Everton. I mean, Everton, if we go to that, it was a breathtaking start. And we weren't quite as good as that. And then dropped back. And really, we, we snatched. We were the team that snatched the goal. If, and, and that looked like it was going to be a one-goal game. And otherwise, our attack wasn't too fluid. And the man we've pinpointed on that, and I'll go to you, Jack, is... <laughs> Steve <laughs> Benrahma today, who, <laughs> I mean, uh, from what you could, uh, from what you've told me, you were angrily in the in the crowd, just shouting at him at periods of the game. You set me up to look a right idiot here after that introduction. Yeah. Um, yes, I was shouting at him for most of the game because um, it's a few games in a row now uh, where the amount of times that he's losing possession has, has reached the kind of level where you'd say it's unacceptable. You can't, you just cannot, particularly when you're, when you're like such a rear guard effort as the second half was. Uh, and it's so crucial that when you do get the ball, you secure possession and keep it even just for a short period to be able to take some pressure off the defense and allow you to get a few yards up the pitch. 
the amount of times a day where you're getting the ball into Ben Rama and he's just trying something that's not on or trying to do something too quickly and losing the ball um, in the final third as well. Again, like really, really impressed with the fact that his movement has developed and come on such a long way this season and he's, he's getting into the right spaces. But just take a touch out your feet to get the space for a shot. Don't shoot and just like clip it straight into the player one yard in front of you time and time and time again. Um, so it is quite frustrating watching him getting into these good positions and, and, and the amount of work it's, you know, you can see that he's put in to be able to, to notice when Antonio is hitting the channels and to, to hit that space that is vacated by him. And then he's just continually giving the ball away in these areas. So, yeah, not not hugely impressive today. Don't think he's been hugely impressive for, for a few games. Um, and we really need to see, see more from him. I was, I think it sort of says quite a lot about how Vlasic must be doing in training that Vlasic doesn't, doesn't get on. I thought I was really surprised he didn't get on against Everton. I'm somewhat surprised that he didn't get on again today. It was, yeah, it was, I mean, I've, what I said about him when I've in my match report, he's a, and it, it felt the same in the Everton game. He's a player who sometimes he does the hard bit quite well. Yeah, and it's, oh, he gets himself in a position, and he sort, and you think now you've just got to do the pass, and he does the the simple pass wrong. And today it felt like counter attacks or just positive, just his space. We've had a game, two games where we started for twenty minutes hot, and he has his delivery or his final ball or something has been just shocking. And today in particular, mm. whilst I, I mean I, I would agree, he he deserves a lot of praise for the way he's adapted to the positional change and what Moyes wants. He works hard. He does work hard, and he is. He does sometimes. He does a lot of Antonio's pressing, Cal. But all of it, mostly. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, well, Mike gets to stand still if he wants. Um, yeah. It, it, no. Yeah. Today, he's he he must be close to being dropped, Cal. Yeah. Got faith in players, but he must be thinking about it at least. I think yeah, he probably he probably is thinking about it. I think looking at the run of fixtures we've got as well, like it's probably. That City game, he, I wouldn't be surprised if he's dropped, just mainly for rotation purposes, but it gives someone the chance to come in and, and make make a claim for that place because um, it does seem to be a weakness in, in a, what is essentially a strong side at the minute and any manager worth his salt is going to be trying to improve his team week in, week out and if you've got a weakness, then you're going to try and strengthen it. Um, I think today I was more disappointed than I usually am with Ben Rama. Uh, he obviously started the season brilliantly. Um, and yeah, his his effort, which is obviously very high up on Moyes' list of credentials in any player, is um, is definitely there. He runs around, he presses well, but in a team that is quite happy often to just give possession to the opposition because we're confident in our ability to stifle and nullify their attacking threat and soak up pressure, we need to have someone who is a reliable outlet to start transitions and whilst he has been that player in the past today he was not and I think I don't know I don't know what it is I don't know what it is I don't know if he's because he tries too many things quite often I've sort of and I think I guess it comes with the style of player that he is like he he is I hate that I hate I absolutely hate the phrase and I almost don't even want to say it but what someone would call a luxury player who does very nice fancy stuff and he's had games where I think against Everton he had a 100% triple success rate but I think what it might be is the the match IQ kind of aspect to bring in a basketball term um like he's 
he doesn't seem to have much differentiation between the area he is in the pitch and the sort of acts he tries to do. So if he's in the final third and he's got a man in front of him, he'll try a dribble and maybe a, a aggressive pass or get a shot off or something, uh, which you can afford to take those risks in the final third because if, if it doesn't come off, you're losing the ball in a fairly low pressure situation or, or you might have an attack that doesn't end in, in, a, in a goal or a shot or something. But when we're breaking out of our own third, he's still trying to do the same stuff. Like he's trying to dribble past the man who's pressing him. And whilst you shouldn't really be willing to lose possession in any place on the pitch, the one place you really should not be losing possession is in front of your own box. And I think it's that sort of intelligence that he he might need to sort of read the game a bit better, depending on how close the match is as well. I mean, we were one nil down and we were getting pretty penned in towards the end like I think just play that simple pass rather than trying to dance around someone um yeah I don't know I think maybe he probably should be worried a bit about his place in the team just for the next few weeks or so because if there's one position on the pitch where we have ample cover it's probably his we've got Lanzini we've got Vlasic we've got Fornals who could shift in there if he want if we wanted him to um and I mean I mean, it's not going to happen. But even Danchester's came on the other day. Like he's 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 in and around the squad now. <laughs> um, shout out Danchester's. Uh, but yeah, like I mean, it's it's not like he has the luxury of say, I don't know, uh, an Antonio or something who might go through a dry spell. But we've got no one else to come in and cover. So as long as he's fit, he's going to start. With Benarama, we've got players that can come in and that are champion of the bit. So I yeah. think yeah, I'd I'd maybe be concerned. I should make sure we don't dwell too much on the on the nexus. That's kind of my job, I guess, is to, to do the presenting <laughs> part of this. And there, there were a lot of good things today. I mean, it didn't feel like it because it, I, I feel like the last few games, and today in particular, it wasn't a great performance. And it's to our credit that it didn't have to be. We have foundations in place, and that was the defence today, and, and the imperious Declan Rice in particular in front of them, and Suchek as well, who, who battled in there well and has been better the last few games. Um, but yeah, I guess I guess the, the the big positive that we discussed before the game is having spent a good a good section of the podcast last week talking about how one goalkeeper should be replacing the other. Fabianski, excellent today in, in the and I admit, admittedly little he had to do after Tottenham mustered zero shots in the second half with their majority of possession. Cal, but uh, Fab, the boy done good is what one of you said, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, he did. He played well. Um... And yeah, I've, I've, we had a lengthy debate last week um, and a lengthy debate with myself for those of you. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, nah, fair play. Like I I can't fault him today. I think uh, what what we know him for is his, his shot stopping and stuff. And he was he was good at that as ever. He pulled off some great saves, one against Son, one against a header from Kane, which, I mean, if I'm Kane, arguably... Mm-hmm supposedly one of the best strikers in world football you've got to be burying that i'm sorry but, yeah he's around haunting tottenham Boston. yeah <laughs> but um yeah not only did he continue to excel in the sort of short stopping department when he when he was called upon but even things that um we've generally not considered him to be particularly adept at or at least is an area of weakness uh notably his claiming of crosses which at times has been sketchy to say the least uh it's not very often he comes very far off his line 
And when he does, it's quite common for him to kind of flap it or or maybe mistime his jump. Um, but at a moment of serious pressure towards the end of the game, a ball comes looping into the box and here comes Fabianski basically onto the edge of the 18-yard box, absolutely leaps up like a salmon and just claims it. Like it would have it would have been easy. I would have I would have probably commended him even for just punching it away. Like it would have still been good goalkeeping if he just came out, got rid of that ball, got the danger, but he actually caught it, claimed it, and like just slowed possession down, lied on the floor for a bit, boiled some piss. Like it was great. Like it was brilliant. <laughs> so you know what? Like I do still think Ariola is a great keeper, and I think moving forward, yeah, he's the one. But yeah. What a, what a great performance from Fabianski today. I've, I've not got much more to add to that, to be honest. I, what I liked about that Kane save was that he refused to let himself fall to the ground. If you watch that replay again, he tries to push his foot out in case that's falling down on top of him. So he's, mm. always, he's pushed up for the save, dropped, and then tried to... Sum, and I, I don't know how it's physically possible. Push himself back up again on that one foot. And the other thing was he did... There was a few times where Kane and Son were doing their classic one runs wide. They're looking for that ball across. And he was... Mm. I don't know if that's because he's used to playing against them now, but he was so clearly aware, Jack, that he was getting out and cutting off those avenues for the pass across. Yeah, Sharp off his line. Um, Sharp, when dealing with crosses, even though we've criticised him for it before, a couple of times as well, diving onto low crosses that were coming across the box, did that really well today. The one late in the game was really crucial and really important and something that we just don't usually see from Fabianski, and that was really, really pleasing to see. And then shot stopping too. So across the board, pretty excellent Um pretty excellent goalkeeping uh performance and you know i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to do this every week but vindicated <laughs> yeah. we had that argument last week about fabianski versus Ariola, and um and yeah and i think like i said then i think i still think he's got to do more to lose his place i still think he's um a really really good goalkeeper i think he did have a period of not great form but i didn't think Ariola was performing to to some kind of exceptional level in the Europa League that meant that, mm-hmm. that he, he deserved the spot. I think we've seen um, a few, mo- few shaky moments, actually, from Ariola in the Europa League. Well, that's exactly exactly where we're going to link the two, because it was, it was in that game, game against Genk that Ariola had a chance to, well, at the very least, just prove he can keep the ship steady. And not, not quite. I mean, as I've questioned, I think I typed at the time, who runs off their line 10, 12 yards out of goal? To try and claim the ball, <laughs> six foot seven, man mounted like Adeachu, Ariola does, and he didn't do it very well, did he? <laughs> nah, man, he wasn't great, and I don't want to come out here and start slandering Ariola because I've been his biggest fan since he arrived. But I, I, there's only so much credit I can give him. But um, yeah, it was it was bizarre. Um, some of the decision making was just very, very sketchy, and I think that's as much as I do like him. I think that's almost a bit of a trend in in the few times we have seen him like I remember seeing him I think against United he made some questionable decisions like on saves slapping it out and then to be fair to him then pulling off a weldy of a save to keep the ball out of the net but you wouldn't have to make that save if, if you didn't make the dodgy decision in the first place but I, I guess the flip side is he's yet to concede a goal in a West Ham shirt so you've got to you can criticise him, but also like if he's kept the ball out of the net, then he's he's kind of done his job. Um, obviously, part of the part of the credit for that is not just the goalkeeper. Like we've we've had a really impressive defence for the last few games now. Yeah, I think we've seen the quality of the the rotated defence really shine through in these games in Europe. It's like we we 
the Zagreb game, I think we did play very well, but in the two games at home, I don't think we played very well at all. And and even despite not really being at our best, I think we've looked pretty comfortable for most of those games. I, there, there were moments in the first half against Genk before the first goal that, that um, Junior Ito was getting um, in behind Cresswell like, repeatedly, mm. and it was starting to get a little bit concerning. Um, and obviously they had... They had the disallowed goal as well, which you know. Um, so they did, did they, they did threaten us much more than than either of Zagreb or or um, or uh, sorry, Rapid Vienna. But um, but yeah, no, like just 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 confidence, um, and in in the end, looked looked kind of easy um, mm. by the end of the game. So yeah, yeah, yeah. really impressive. It's it's really it's interesting that you look at the notes we'd made to discuss and, and pull it, peeling back the curtain a bit. We do make some notes. This doesn't just naturally in time. <laughs> we actually have some ideas before we speak, as, as they sound as I present them. Uh, but there was, I mean, in, in a way, we the notes we had to talk about aren't about anything we did massively. I mean, to some extent, there is. It wasn't about the the performance as a whole. It was little things we noticed that caught our eye because actually. It's a positive thing that these games have kind of got to the point where they've looked a bit so easy. We don't need to talk about them too much because it's, mm. it's just happened like that. I mean, it's not good in that respect. We should be able to dominate these games, and it does. I, I do watch these games a little bit and get a little bit annoyed. But then we are resting and making six-five changes. However, especially up yeah. front, that is going to affect rhythm. What we did do, however, and what we have done in this this again in this week block since last week. The return of set pieces. It has been the return mm. of the West Ham set piece. And I mean, Cresswell. I think actually all of I mean Bowen and Cresswell. Bowen's Bowen's curled in corner is lovely, but it was Cresswell on. It was Cresswell on Thursday, wasn't it? Who, who stepped up back? I mean, the ball to Diop. Almost one of the most simply simplest goals I've ever seen. Diop walked from an area towards an area. The ball mm. went over one player and into the area, and he. Headed. I mean, it was. It was either, you yeah. look at you think these aren't very good. These players and we're playing against, are we? <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, set pieces have, have been crucial this week. That is a winning goal against Everton, a winning goal against Tottenham, and breaking the deadlock and getting two, two goals, goals against three against yeah. Gink. Mm, yeah. So set pieces are back, lads. Yeah. yeah, very much so, very much so. I'm very pleased to see them come back. It was very, very crucial in the Genk game. I think we we said that prior to the match, Cal, that we expected that one of the weakest teams yeah. in Europe for, at defending set pieces. Frankly, they are tiny, minus Onuachu. Like, they're just a, quite a small team, um, and yeah. that makes it difficult for them in the first place. One of the interesting things I noticed, actually, in that game was them... Um, obviously knowing that they weren't very good at defending them, knowing that we were very good at scoring them from them and deciding, well, we'll probably not take them on by sticking 11 players back. What we're going to do is we're going to put Ito and Bongonda really high and wide on the halfway line and see if that forces them to not put as many players forward and therefore be less of a threat from set pieces. And I really enjoyed our response to that. Initially was to, to send Dawson back and then Dawson sort of walked forward and went, Yamo, yeah, I'm sure you'll be fine. You ain't gonna score a header. Come on. <laughs> um, and Yamalenko went back on the halfway line. Actually, they cleared that first one, and Yamalenko mm. did a really good job of screening and stopping it from getting through to Ethel or Bongonda. I just thought it was mm-hmm. really funny that they tried that, um, and obviously it didn't have the desired effect because we did go on and score two goals from set pieces. But yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think there's been a little bit of fuss about, you know, like us not necessarily having the quality from set pieces. The delivery's been on point all season for me. The deliveries have been there all season. I think teams have defended better against us from set pieces in the Premier League generally, as I think Moyes said after the Genk game, you just come up against better 
uh, defences from set pieces, bigger strikers who can head balls away at the near post, so on and so forth. Mm. Everton was really interesting, us targeting the near post because they didn't have Calvert-Lewin or Mina mm. to, to set someone up at the near post to, to, um, to head things away. We clearly targeted that area and that came off eventually for us in that game. Genk, very, very simple, just two good balls into the box and just being a lot bigger than them and attacking areas, like you said, one of the simplest goals we've seen. And then Spurs, again, just a really, really great delivery into the box. Terrible near post defending, awful I, I, defending from Kane. I'd love to know what was going through Kerry Kane's mind, but I don't think it was football. I really don't. I just, <laughs> the, boy, yeah, the lad yeah. was somewhere else and unfortunately yeah. it fell to him and he didn't really care. I think <laughs> it was Jonathan Liu that wrote, uh, just fancied giving Antonio a nice hug. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> just a bit of a cuddle. Oh, he probably just needs a cuddle. He said, oh, I could be in Manchester. <laughs> Here comes the corner, swung in, flicked it in! Yeah. And West Ham leads! And the touch was from Obonna! On to the Everton game, which we won because of, because of a set piece. We haven't really talked enough about Declan Rice, I'd say, in this podcast. And if we're going to talk about Declan Rice... And I don't know how, looking back, I gave him a 9 out of 10 for that game. Because um, he probably deserved a 10. What a performance from that that man, Jack. What a performance. I think I think it was probably the best. I, but the first half, certainly, um, was the best 45 minutes we might have seen from from anyone in any game so far this season for West Ham. The only, the only player that might rival that is Antonio's second half versus Leicester, um, mm-hmm. where he was really, really outstanding and... and um, Charles Soyuncu probably still isn't sleeping um, <laughs> after that. But yeah, um, Rice was just unbelievable in the first 45 against Everton and, and 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 played really well in the second half as well. Just like that, the first 45, not a single mistake, uh, constantly winning the ball, interceptions, proactive midfielding as well, mm. which he's done. Well, he, he's, he's done this for ages and, and we've given him credit for it before, I'm sure. But like, before things even become an issue, he's taken the right steps to be in the right place to stop a pass that's going to create a chance or going to get uh, Everton through the lines, you know, or whoever it is through the lines, but particularly in that game was just outstanding at it. And yeah, ball carrying as well, just like driving the ball up the pitch and, and, and creating mm-hmm. chances with that as well. Um, the energy he showed when Suchek came off and it, it was like, you know, oh God, we're going to have to like deal with this period where Bryce is going to have to do two two people's running and Suchek does more running than anyone else in the whole league. So how's he going to cope with that? Mm. Absolutely fine, by the way. He can do that job on his own, apparently. Like It was just unbelievable from start to finish. Uh, and actually, in, in, in all the games, exceptional performances from him. He was yeah. brilliant against Spurs again today. Yeah. It's hard to it's hard to put it words. I think I mean the, what impressed me most in that first half was we were good in that first half. We were good in that first half because every time the ball went out, Declan Rice was there to give us the ball and put us going again. And he would do it in one pass. And he is he's a good he's, mm. he doesn't just pass sideways. He can pass forward very very yeah. smartly. His confidence is up as well. But yeah. Yeah, I mean no. it's interesting. We've made, we've discussed the balance, haven't we, uh, Cal, about him and Suchek. And I think in the last maybe at least the last two Premier League games, whether or not against Genk, you could agree he's. Slightly, they've slightly switched again. It looks like Suchek's doing more yeah. of the kind of hustling, bustling, and Rice is, well, he's showing why he's, for me, the best defensive midfielder in the league, at least. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'd agree. I think it's, like you said, it's difficult to put it into words, but it is easy to put it into numbers. So, <laughs> uh... That's why we're here. here. No. <laughs> um, yeah, but uh, yeah, unreal. Uh, just from the Everton game, um, yeah, 10 interceptions, stupid. <laughs> seven progress, yeah, seven progressive runs. 
95, 95% passing accuracy and 100% passing accuracy for passes into the final third, of which he had nine. So that is, that is just ridiculous. Um, but yeah, uh, I think that sort of links back to the coaching staff as well. Like, I think... Uh, I don't want to just give credit to Moyes. Obviously, it goes to everyone. They all, all do their bit. But um, I think one of my biggest criticisms of, of Moyes last season was probably his um, rigidity when it comes to tactics. Is that a word? Rigidity? We'll go with that. Uh, and his like he, his unwillingness to sort of change and tinker as the game went on. Like He'd, he'd often stick to uh, things or he would refuse to change things in the game even though it was glaringly obvious from the fan point of view that something needed to change and what that change should be. Whereas this season, I think we've seen him tinker a lot more, like tailoring to different oppositions in 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 respect to how he actually sets the team up. So against Everton, telling Rice, which having just read those numbers, it sounds ridiculous to say, but telling Rice to take more of a like conservative, like deeper approach and let Suchek attack that box like he did last season. Um, despite the fact he still has seven progressive runs. It's just, that's, that's just testament to what a player he is. Um, and that was obviously because in the pod previously, we'd, we'd spoke about the, the threat posed by um, A, Everton on the counter with Townsend and Gray and Rice needing to be there to break those moves up, which he did to great effect, 10 interceptions, and also to sort of marshal Decoure's uh, late arrivals into the edge and in the box, which again, he did he did amazingly. And then it also gave Suchek the license to sort of attack those late balls that we put into the box, which he also did. And um, yeah, it just not only does it give us like a bit more fluidity depending on the situations, but it also makes it a lot harder for the opposition to, to plan in advance of the game because they don't know what version of our midfield they're going to get. Like if, if say Rafa had watched us for the, for the season so far, he might've been like, okay, well this season, Suchek's playing a much deeper role. So we don't need to worry so much about his threat in the box and Rice has been given more license to roam threat. And then just like that, we switched it up. And the whole planning just goes, oh, shit, we didn't plan for this. And it's like, wow, okay. And having that option um, is really reassuring because I think we've often had question marks about the balance of our midfield and and is it too defensive or is it, we get caught out here and there. And now I think the two of them have proven that they can do both jobs effectively. Like Suchek has, has this season improved his defensive outputs like we talked about and his passing. So he can play that deeper role that we've, we've seen Rice play and Rice has just proven that he's an absolute beast carrying that ball forward and, and his creative output is is just surprising not well not surprising because we watch him every week but like alarmingly good for someone who's meant to be a sideways pass merchant that can only play in defensive mid um, so yeah it's it's just brilliant it's brilliant and and fair play to the coach and staff for sort of realizing that and, and being able to change it mid mid game as well like in-game scenarios just game management like recognizing when to make those changes and when to maybe have both of them sit back because we want to control the game even more and get these three points and stuff and and yeah it's really it's really good really uh assuring for us as well going forward I mean I, I, I did notice that actually just to jump back is eight tackles today and that's that's pretty mm-hmm. a pretty high number in midfield mm-hmm. in games where you're you've got people betting if people are gonna have two tackles or not I mean he's he's made someone probably a lot of money if they've been ambitious today um it's an interesting because I'd say we've had two games in the Premier League that we, realistically if you said they were if you take out the big chance and obviously that's a big a big if that you take out the big mm-hmm. chance that wins us the game because they're the, what win us the game but otherwise it would have been reasonably fair draws 
and we've mm-hmm. which I don't know I don't know if you take that as a positive because we've taken the two. I think Everton I think we were fine but I don't think we were great personally personally yeah. if you if that game had ended and that had been a draw I don't think I'd have been too fast obviously we scored that mm. big goal you have to take that out and I thought today I disagree with you I disagree I think I think we've I think both games I think we if there was a team that was going to win it we looked like no, yeah, the I think side. if there was a I team that was going to win it but You'd also, I don't think it would have been a desire. I don't think you'd have looked at and gone, have we not won those games? I think you'd have gone, yeah, we were, the, we edged them, but, and I don't think we were great against Everton either. I think if you... I think we were very good against Everton. I disagree. I think, I think against Everton, we absolutely battered them for 20, 25 minutes. And I think we were yes. very unfortunate to not create uh, a better chance in that period of the game that would have led to an opener. Um, and, and then I think we, we, the periods in which Everton uh, came back into it, I think we dealt with, pretty well i think there was the chance for a Wobi, which he completely fluffed um mm. which was perhaps the scariest moment of the game and one moment where zuma was a little bit slow and rondon got ahead of him onto and, and, got, and got a flicked header onto a cross that went just wide mm. um but other than those two two moments i don't really feel that everton threatened us at all uh i thought no, we were but very, I would very count comfortable. They, they, they did have those two moments and there was i'd say after that 20 minutes where we we were great but didn't do anything with it which worries me we didn't really create a big chance we let them come back in at the start of the second half in particular they were kind of knocking at the door without again they would argue i suppose the same as us they had the pressure without they were unfortunate not to create anything regardless that rondon actually i thought rondon did really well with that header and i think he gets really harshly treated considering they play such a basic style i think he does a good job with what he's got i don't i i, I haven't watched us in the last this last week and thought we've played really well i thought we've played efficiently I, I, I get what you, yeah, I get what you mean. Like, I think on balance, like, if if you look at it in terms of purely chances created, then, yeah, maybe I can see why you would think, a, like, probably a draw would have been fair. Like, yeah, OK, Iwobi puts that chance away, which he absolutely should have done. Should have done. And it's, it's an entirely different game. But equally, I think part of that is that we look so comfortable in controlling games now. Like, it's... We, we almost let them create the chances because we've, we've got such an assured defence now. Like, we have confidence that we're going to be able to keep that ball out regardless of how much pressure we allow to, to mount. Um, and I think it's it's reassuring, I think, because it would have been easy for us to get frustrated after uh, the Brentford game and arguably the United game, which if you, if you flip this coin around, it's their games that equally probably would have been fair to be a draw but we lost and it would have been easy after that to lose faith and be like oh we're so unlucky we're so hard done by like we didn't deserve to lose that and just the the dressing room just kind of loses its head a bit which we've seen happen in the past like we'll 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 chop games away in in winning positions and then the the, the team will just (laughs) die a death pretty much uh and now i think it's testament to the dressing room that Moyes has built is that we, we can have those results go against us and then come back out and not be deflated by it and and turn similar matches and get the three points out of it. And I think on balance is a really good thing and a really important thing if if you're gonna finish up towards the top end of the te- upper ends of the table because those are the teams that the ones that can do that, they can regroup, they can come out, they're not gonna be that affected. Then they have confidence in their ability that they know that they shouldn't have lost, but they they know that they shouldn't have lost, if that makes sense. Like we didn't deserve to lose that we should have won it we can win it we are going to win the next game and and that's a really good attitude to have whereas you think of those seasons where we were finished at the bottom of the table we'd lose games and 
you could tell as soon as the final whistle went that the players just couldn't be asked. They were like, I, I can't wait for the season to end, kind of vibe, like, regardless of how it ends. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, th- I, I think, yeah, I get what you're saying. A draw at the end of it, I probably would have been like, fair enough. I get it. We, we got, they scored the chances they created. We scored the chances we created. And I guess it goes back to that point that we made about sort of our, our struggle in creating chances from open play in some games against certain tactical setups. But I think equally, we probably did deserve to win because we controlled yeah. such lengthy periods of the game. I think for me, look, football's a game of fine margins. We've played Everton away and Spurs at home. I mean, what I don't know what you're expecting. I think, you know, that we've won these games quite, not landslides, but like twice as much XG or three times as much XG in, in both those games as the opposition. Everton mm-hmm. created one chance from a period of 20 minutes, which they were in the game in the first half. They, they dominated the first five minutes after the start of the second half. And then I don't think we're in it at all for the rest of the second half. I think we really were very good and created chances at will really in the last 10 minutes. And if Antonio had passed the ball two, maybe even three times, we probably would have won mm. that game three or four nil. I, I think that game is completely different to the Spurs game. I wouldn't lump it in as being similar at all. I thought it was a perfect away performance and scoring a goal off a set piece is not an indication of a performance that wasn't good enough. It's just a good... Uh, uh, you know it, we guess we should have scored other chances but you know it's, it was a good goal and we, it, it won us a game that I think we we clearly deserve to win and I think against Spurs look we didn't concede a shot in the whole second half as much mm. as you might say that we could have done better with the ball as much as you might say we could have created more as much as you might say well it draws a fair result Spurs didn't shoot once in a second half where they had nearly all the ball I think mm. we deserve to win a game in which we keep Spurs from shooting a single time in 45 minutes. And Saeed Benrahma has a chance where if he dinks it a little bit higher over Lloris, he scores. Mm. And Antonio scores with, an, with a really clever instinct to finish off a, off, a, off a set piece. In a game, actually, that he came up against Romero, who, who did a very decent job against him. And I don't think he, he impacted the game as much as he has done at, at several points throughout the season. So... Yeah, we could have played better in these, these games. Yeah, they could have been more convincing wins. But I do think we deserve to win both of them. And I do think they're impressive results against Everton and Spurs. Right, before we, before we go, before we finish, we've got two games only two to preview. Um, we've got City in the week in the League Cup. Now, we're expecting a changed side, I'm guessing. Mm. I, I feel sad to hope, but it's 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 the League Cup. We have a lot of games and it's Man City. Is it going to be two second teams? I think so. Yeah, I think City will play their kids. They have done so far, but that is not the same as any other team playing their kids. City's no. kids are very, very good and um, <laughs> are probably all more than capable of playing in at least the championship, probably. Um, yeah, I suppose you've got you've so got Sterling and Morris, yeah, who aren't getting so, full game time, so they need a run exactly, out. Exactly, exactly. So you're coming up against the team that is is not. You, if they do play their kids, is not just like an average under twenty three team. Like they are, they are still definitely a threat. Um, I think one we'll we'll probably expect to see Ariola in goal again, and maybe this will be a better test because I expect that he will be forced to make more saves than he has done in previous games and required to be more of an active member of the team than against Genk or any of the other Europa games where he, he hasn't really been challenged. So I'm excited in that respect because, like I say, I want to see Ariola do really well and I, I, I want him to sort of prove that he is uh, a great keeper and, and, and a good long-term option to succeed Fabianski moving forward. Um, and I think that's the perfect perfect time for him to 
sort of prove himself. Uh, I'd like to see a few more of the youngsters play as well, like even if it is just off the bench again. Um, I think as well, if you're going to do it, it's probably against in this game. Uh, if we're facing off against youngsters already and we've got such a... I know you, you shouldn't go into any competitional game with a, oh, I'm happy to lose this one, but we've got such a congested fixture list we're starting to see fatigue creep into some of our players. And if if we were to go out of this competition, I wouldn't be that arsed because we're looking good in the Europa. That should be our, our priority, uh, aside from obviously the league where you always want to finish as highly as possible. Um, um, but yeah. Go on. <laughs> Sorry, I, first I sneezed and it distracted me, and then, <laughs> and then, I, then I took a I took a, a small gap and just decided I had to speak. Um, <laughs> what are we thinking predictions wise? Because it's, it's, it's a almost impossible game to analyse beforehand because you could have twenty two players and we could get all of the. I think we would, but you could get most of them wrong. So do you think we're going? Uh, I'd say yes or no. What are going? Are we going through, Jack? Do you think? Yes. You think we go? Forgot you were ever an optimist. Just too yes. young. Callum, you go through yes as well. Uh, yeah, why not? Well, I, I will stick to my standard. No, we never, we are never going to have anything <laughs> good happen to us. I, I, um, I really want us to to take it seriously. We've knocked Man United out. If we knock Man City out, then we've got a great chance of oh, winning it. That's like, it. That's it. Come on. I want, I, think... the... I want us to take it seriously, but I want us to rotate and think of the long term. So there's a you know a balance. Yeah, yeah. We'll rotate the defense. Rotate the defense. Think... Bring Blasic in. Bring Lanzini in. Yeah. Play play a couple of the main first teamers. Play Suchek and Rice. And they can handle that. Like yeah. I think realistically, like whilst we're saying rotate, rotate, we should have confidence in what our rotation is. Like we've seen our rotation. Yeah. Big teams out in the Europa League. Like it's not like our rotation's bad. And I think in previous years our rotation options have been. So it's fair to just assume oh we're going to play a second eleven and like we're going to get beat. But that everyone in the team seems to be there. Well, is there on merit at the minute? And as good as we're saying City's kids are, they're still City's kids. Like we sh- we should have the the players in the team and the sort of the the elder elder players that feature in that second eleven should should be good enough and and competent enough leaders to sort of see us through that tie. If City do decide to field a bunch of under twenty threes, but yeah. I think yeah, take the momentum out of that United game. Like we won that. And and they're they're like on paper. I mean, they're absolutely dog shit today. But on paper, they're one of the best squads in England. So, and we managed to do them with our second eleven. So, yeah, why not? Why not? Yeah, yeah. And if we're saying, you know, like we said earlier in the podcast about Genk being a good platform for Vlasic, maybe what he needs is a big game. Maybe what he needs yeah. is a chance to play against a Man City. Maybe that's yeah. that's that's the kind of opportunity he needs. I would like to say. Yeah, okay. I want Vlasic goal and then penalty shootout and Ariola saves two. <laughs> Mystic has gone for a big one this week. <laughs> I'd, I'd rather not have to go through that stress. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> I'd rather maybe you just saved a penalty in the game. Um, yeah. Okay. Or, or just made some good saves. Okay. I'll, Villa then. I. I think a worse team this year. Yes. No, yeah. They definitely. are. And it. We, I mean, I felt like last year when we played them, we made sure we had two on Grealish and thought we could deal with the rest. There's yeah, no Grealish yeah. this time. Shh. I mean, I, I, I never expect to win, Jack, but... Well, the difficult thing here is that they were so bad against Arsenal that I almost expect them to change system. Yeah, I, I can't really see them playing with this 5-3-2 again. And if they were playing with the 5-3-2, I would be so confident that we would win the game. But 
it's difficult to know what it will be like if, for example, Buendia and Bailey come into the first team, Watkins moves to the left and, and Ings plays up front and they go back to a midfield pivot of Louise and McGinn. I think we could dominate the midfield area, a la Everton, um, mm-hmm. but it's difficult to know how impactful those players all coming into the first team would be. And I, I, I think it's so unlikely that they try this back five thing again after being that bad against Arsenal and being just quite bad for a while now to try mm. and find a way to shoehorn Ings and Watkins into a front two, that it's quite difficult to predict um, what, what the game against Villa will look like. But on the evidence we've seen, like I said, they've been really bad recently. So I would be quite confident, especially given our away form. Yeah. Okay, I mean, it is, it is Halloween, Callum. Are you expecting a scare? Yes. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. Um, <laughs> no, I think we should be okay. I think we should be okay. Um, I think Jack's picked out, yeah, pretty much what I would say. The, the tactical, I would expect the tactical uh, switcheroo, so to speak. Um, and I think they've got quality in their in their squad. Like they have got players that that maybe haven't quite found their feet yet. They've but have have looked threatening at times. I mean, Leon Bailey's a quality player. Like if he turns up, then he's going to cause anyone problems. Danny Ings is obviously a prolific striker. Like he's caused us problems in the past. Um, Wendy uh, was a bit of a passenger against Arsenal. I think he got subbed off um, for Jacob Ramsey. I think, but again, he's another one that has the ability to affect a game. So it just depends um, how they set up. But I think, yeah, I mean, our away form has been ridiculously good, and based on the, the performances we've had recently and the, and the teams we've managed to beat, I think we should be going into that game thinking we can beat them. I think we'd be dis- if we come out not beating them, I think we'd be disappointed, to be honest. And I think I think Bowen must be licking his lips going into this one, right? I mean, Minx mm. has been pretty bad recently. Yeah. It, looked, it looked really shaky against Arsenal and Target got absolutely destroyed against Watford, if I remember correctly, by yeah. Ismail Assar. So there's obviously some frailty on, on that side of the defence. So, you know, maybe we'll mm. see see Bowen have one of his stronger performances. I mean, I, I'm a little bit wary of rapidly on Bailey playing down the right versus exactly. a slightly, I may, you might call him slow, Aaron Cresswell, <laughs> um, considering that Ito seemed to get behind him quite a lot in, on Thursday. But uh, yeah. I, I, I'm hearing you're saying it's a, another, pair of, another pair of wins for you two, yeah? yeah definitely. I'll go for the draw just because I'm never going to predict us to win any game. <laughs> someone, someone I used to work with is going. So to me, that means usually we lose. And that's that's my analysis. That's, that's where I go. Um, I think that's it then, gentlemen. It's been, well, it's been such a good Sunday. I will leave you with the scoreline of today's game. It was West Ham 1. Tottenham nil. Uh, thank you very much. Goodbye. Right, so we're here in the offices of a late late show with the host of a late late show, James Corden. Hi. Big West Ham fan. Yes. <laughs> big knees up, Mother Brown man. Yeah. Yeah, I'm regularly on the general discussion page. There's always someone's got some information, so I love it. Yeah. yeah. It's great. Yes. It's Find excitement it. surrounded by imminent disappointment. <laughs> that's what it. That's what it mostly is. Get on the forum at kumb.com. Come on, you irons.